0: forever who does that. So um, let's jump in. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 today. And so if you have a Bible, open up to that. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We have free Bibles we'll give out to you. Don't be shy. Get your hand up high. Uh, If you don't own this, it's our free gift to you. Um, If you do own one, just forgot it today. Take this and then leave it on your way out. Okay, Matthew 13. Start turning. As you guys get there, I just want to recap for a moment uh, Easter. Um, A lot of you guys, a lot of the students and even a lot of you adults were out of town last weekend. And so I just want to give you kind of a heads up of some of the things that God did last week. It was, I mean, really an amazing Amazing weekend for us. Good Friday was fantastic. We did that out at Heritage Square, and it was it was beautiful. It was I mean it was it was raining kind of towards the end, and the clouds were there. I mean it really created kind of this very ominous uh, environment, which really spoke to the depth uh, and the weight of of Friday. Um, and then we came in here, and we really celebrated Jesus and His resurrection, and we did so uh, through baptisms at the end as a main form of response. and And if you weren't here last week, this was this was incredible because we we had five people sign up beforehand for, baptize, for baptisms, right? To come up, to be baptized, to proclaim their faith uh, to the church and to the world. Um, but then we also said, hey, listen, if you're here and, and you love Jesus, and, and maybe that happened even today during this service, then be baptized. This is kind of a biblical thing that we do in response to the work that God has done in our lives. Um, and so we saw an additional 13 people baptized, after so 18 people baptized last week alone. You guys should be clapping. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Um And and, and many of whom I'm seeing your faces. And listen, I just want you to know how much of a blessing that was uh, for myself and our staff. And just us reflecting on God's goodness to us. And and just how amazing he is. And how he changes us and moves us. And so... um, Easter was incredible for us here at Redemption Flagstaff, but across Redemption Church, I know some of you guys were actually at other congregations last week. I mean, it was crazy. So across our seven congregations, we had a total attendance of just about 9,400. And so that was 9,400 people that heard the gospel last week, many of whom heard it for the very first time. And so that is an incredible thing for us to understand. We don't want to be about numbers and make numbers the the idol, but we do want to celebrate the fact that 9,400 people heard about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen? Uh, come, come on, people. Let's just, you guys, you don't even care. Just kidding. It's incredible, right? Uh, and, and just if, if I had the time, we could do an entire we could do an entire series. On all the stories that we heard, kind of come out of our pastors' meeting this week, of what God did, I mean, it was it was just phenomenal. And so, um, we're gonna try and do our best to actually blog some of those and get some of those guys, uh, some of those stories in front of your eyes. Um, but it really was an amazing, amazing week. Okay, um, like I said, this or, uh, like Anthony said, we're starting a new series uh, called um, Pictures of. The kingdom, and we're gonna look at Matthew 13. So, over the next four weeks, we're looking at four different parables that describe the kingdom of God. Okay, so, but a couple things before we get into it, because um, let me start with it. First one Jesus talks about the kingdom of God more than anything else in the Bible, right? More than anything else, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. More than love, more than justice, more than wrath. All of it, he talks about the kingdom of God, and it isn't isn't even close. But what I find troubling is that if we were honest with ourselves as a church and as individuals here, we probably know very little about the kingdom of God. We know a ton about the way God loves, right? We love to study that, get into that, break that down. Um, We've tried to focus, hey, God also has wrath and justice, and so maybe if you've been here through Romans, you've started to learn some of that. But, man, the kingdom of God, the thing that God, that Jesus talks about, more than anything else we seem to be in some ways very ignorant what what is this kingdom of God where is it how how is it formed who's in the whole deal and so I want to give a a, one more point to it and then over the next four weeks what these parables will do for us is answer one or two questions about the kingdom of God that we would get a better view of what it is and why Jesus would spend this much time talking about it okay before we get into the text last thing What is a kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? You have to go back and say, just what is a kingdom? Let's just start there. Let's not get too confused with what is a kingdom. A kingdom has what? It has a king, it has land, it has law, and it has people. Right? Every kingdom, kingdom, law, land, people. So the kingdom of God has the same things. The kingdom of God has a king. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. Okay? It has a law. It has an ethic with which all of the kingdom is governed by, and we find it in Scripture. Okay? It has a law. It has a land, and this one is maybe the most different from any kingdom that you'll find in this world, and that this kingdom knows no border. That the kingdom of God transcends any line on a map. It transcends any race, any gender. It transcends all of that. And the kingdom of God opens itself up to say there is no border in the kingdom of God. Okay? King, law, land, and people. Every kingdom has its own citizenry. And that's the church. That the kingdom of God has its people like any other kingdom. And those people are the church the ones who love Jesus, the ones who are brought into the family of God. That is the kingdom. Those are the four definers of a kingdom and the four definers of the kingdom of God. But we're going to get into the nuanced questions over the next four weeks, but I want that at a foundational level for us to understand, okay, what are we, what are we building on top of? All right? So let's do it. First one, Matthew 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. So here's the story. Jesus had just finished up a conversation with his family, ends up going down to the beach on the Sea of Galilee, and takes a seat, and just is trying, my guess, he's probably just trying to relax, have a moment, okay? And then all of a sudden, all of these crowds rush him. And this happened throughout his ministry. Like the guy just had no moments really to himself. Even moments where you see where he goes off, he usually has to appoint people to kind of say, hey, I'm going to go do this, make sure no one bugs me. So Jesus goes down to the, to the shore, the Sea of Galilee, and all of these crowds rush to him. And then he jumps in a boat, okay, which really helps define for us this great biblical principle. All good teaching happens in a boat, Okay. That's not true. Jesus gets in a boat, and he starts in verse 3. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him ear. In other, in other words, everyone pay attention, okay? This, this saying is trustworthy. This story is trustworthy. And so he gives this parable, this story of this sower, this farmer, who goes out to sow some seed, and it says that, on, on en route to sowing the seed, the seed falls in four different places or what we'll use, environments. Okay? The seed falls in four different environments. The first place it falls is just along this path. Okay? Just along this path. So it's just, you're walking along and it falls out of the basket, falls out of the bucket, whatever he's using. It falls along the path and what happens is a bird comes up and like birds do, they eat everything and they just steal the seed and fly away. And so that's what we get with the first one. The second one we see is the, uh, the rocky ground. Okay, so even further, he continues to walk. He hits kind of this rocky ground. But what you find at the rocky ground is that the soil is not that deep. And so the seed goes in, takes very shallow root, begins to grow. But then the sun comes out, scorches the plant, and the plant dies. Okay, so that's the second one. The third one is the thorns. So the seed falls upon an area where there's thorns. And it says that the, that the thorns grow up and that they choke out the seed. Okay? They choke the seed. And so there is no growth. There is no opportunity for the seed to grow. Last one is the good soil. It falls on the good soil. And not only does it grow, but it grows in incredible means. A hundredfold, thirty thirtyfold. Falls on this good soil, takes root deeply. And then grows up. Okay. Um, just in case you're wondering why we're not breaking any of this down yet. Uh, Jesus is about to do that. In, in, in very Jesus format. He kind of holds everyone in suspense. Uh, so he lays out this parable. And then he's going to explain why he uses parables all of a sudden. And then he's going to break down for us uh, why, why he does this. Okay. What this parable means. Which, listen, for a preacher... This is like the best possible thing because I, get a, I don't have to actually do that much work. I just say, well, what did Jesus say it says? And then I tell you it, okay? So we could have just read this. We might do that and go get lunch. I don't know, okay? So verse 10, verse 10. This is, okay, let me say this. This is Jesus uh, talking about the purpose of the parables. Now, up to this point in Jesus's ministry, all of his teaching has been very direct and to the point, Okay? If you go back to Matthew 5 through 7, the famous Sermon on the Mount, if you look at other teachings as he's walked around in the early months and years of his ministry, he is speaking very direct to the people. This is the ethic by which we live, right? This is the law that governs. This is what it looks like. This is what the kingdom will be. Very direct and to the point, and yet he makes this transition moment. He turns this for a moment to say, okay, I need to communicate differently. And we're going to find out why in these next verses, okay? Verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Just disclaimer, kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are used kind of as the same thing throughout Scripture, okay? Verse uh, Verse 12. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has, has been ta- will be taken away. And so first Jesus addresses the disciples. He addresses the disciples, come to him and say, Okay, you just shared this parable. I'm confused. What do you mean? Why have you all of a sudden changed the way that you're teaching the people? And so he says to them, listen up. You've believed... So you you heard the way I was teaching. You heard the gospel. You heard the preaching of the kingdom of God and the disciples. These are the believers. You believed. You placed faith in me. You followed me. You trusted me. I am your savior. And these parables will only benefit you more. They will only help solidify in your heart and in your mind who I am and what I've done. Now he's going to turn and address the rest. Verse 13. This is why I speak to them, the unbelievers, the not disciples, in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed." lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. So he, he switches the audience here for a moment. So he's still just talking to the disciples, just talking to his believers, and he says, I'm talking to you. I'm giving you the parables because you've believed, and these will bless you. But I'm teaching them this way that they would turn and be healed finally because they heard everything before, and yet they didn't believe. And so Jesus says, I'm going to do something different here. I'm going to change the way I approach this. I'm going to contextualize my preaching of the kingdom of God that they might be healed. And I think he does this and shares this. Listen, he's not preach- at this point, he's not preaching this to everyone. He's not preaching this to the whole crowd. So the first moment, he's, he teaches the parable to everyone. Everyone's on the shore. He's in the boat, okay? And he teaches everyone this deal. But then the disciples come to him, and they inquire further. What's this about? And so that, that's the context. So right now, he, he just told the disciples, this will be better for you. And now he's telling the disciples, this is why I'm teaching those who do not know. This is why I'm teaching those who do not believe. And so for us in 2014, we get the whole story. And so we sit in benefit of this and say, and you know what, this is great for us, right? We get, we get to kind of be a fly on the wall in Jesus' conversation with the disciples and see, man, why, why has he done this? And he's doing it because he's, they have not believed. They, they haven't come to me. And so so let me, let me approach them, let me change what I'm doing. And so this is, this is just a very important thing and twofold for us. One, I think what this does is show a very important principle for us. And that's for us to push in. Okay? It's for us to step in. Because what we have from the disciples here, or what we're getting from Jesus rather, is this extra clarification and teaching about the kingdom. News that is good for everyone. But the audience is limited to those who took that step in, right? At, at least in this parable, I think there's a principle that's being brought up here that says, okay, a lot of us have questions, whether you're here and you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian. You're trying to figure out, okay, man, what do I believe? Why is this here? I'm not really sure. Step in. Come closer to Jesus and ask the questions. It's Listen, it, it's good to have doubts if you're going to push in. Because Jesus has got every answer. Okay? And I believe that. We've all got kind of, okay, what, what did you mean by this? And we just finished preaching Romans 9. I know a lot of you guys had questions. Push into that. Ask questions and let God, let Jesus reveal meaning. Reveal more. Reveal knowledge. Reveal gospel. And then see what the response will be. So that's, that's important. I think that's the first part that we, that we push in. The second one is I think Jesus in this midst, by talking about another crowd, is trying to teach them something, right? He's also trying to teach them something. One is I think he's trying to teach the disciples thanksgiving, right? I think he's trying to instill in them thanksgiving. Would you know and believe and understand that you have believed this is because of God, you're in, you're part of the family, you're part of the kingdom. Rejoice! Give thanks. Give thanks you've already believed, and what will be, what's already been given will flow in abundance as you continue to learn and grow. Rejoice. Rejoice that you've received that grace. And the second thing I think he's trying to instill in his people, and instill in us today, is a growing empathy and love for those who do not. A growing empathy and love for those who do not. So again, again, Jesus comes to them and says, this is what you've believed. You will learn more. But there are all of these people that have not come. So I'm going to tweak a bit of the way I'm sharing the gospel. And I want you guys to be empowered and filled with my love that you would go, that you would love, that you would empathize with the fact that there are Thousands and thousands and thousands, Bring into our context, billions of people that don't know Jesus. Billions. And we look to our city. Let's just bring it right here to Flagstaff. My guess, with the college, 75,000 people would be my guess don't know Jesus in our city. Okay, and that's of 82,5, including the campus. seventy-five. I mean, that's, and I don't know that, I didn't go interview everyone, uh, took a while. 75,000 people. Where are we with the gospel? Where are we with this good news that God has already proclaimed to us? Are we thankful? And are we going to others that don't know? And we really tried to push that even last week at Easter. But are we thankful? And are we going to those that don't know? Okay. That has to be a push and a motivator of what Jesus is bringing to, the, to his people right now. Okay? Let's keep going. <clears throat> Verse 16. <clears throat> but blessed are your eyes, back to the disciples, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So he goes back to the disciples and say again, do you get this? That across the world, prophets, right? And he's going even Old Testament, saying these, these people that just long to see the Savior, long to see Jesus, long to be his, and yet never got a glimpse of him. Rejoice, church. Be thankful. Sing, praise, glorify, because he's done this work. Understanding that, man, we are all so different. And that's why Jesus, I think, has to teach in such a way that reaches the different people, right? This uh, yesterday, for our Redemption Men's event, a group of us went over to Sunshine Rescue Mission and were able to serve over there. And, and I tell you, was, I was just super blessed to be there, to see the work that Sunshine is doing, the way that they, they care for the people that come in. But what I found, which was great, and I talked to, to Verdi, who's my wife, if, if you don't know her, um, uh, was like she's beautiful. Where am I going? Um, I just pictured her and I lost my train of thought, her beauty. Um... So anyway, so we were at Sunshine, um, and we were there, and we're watching just their staff and their volunteers interact with the men that were coming in, and and I loved it because it, it wasn't and 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 that's not my field. I don't work there, so I'm not. But I I watched and I was super blessed because I just saw the way that these guys hung out and talked and treated the other men in the room, and it, and it wasn't like hey like. Let's let's like lay, let's like hold hands and I tell you how much I love you and Jesus. It was like, bro, get in line. What are you? It was just kind of this. They knew how to treat and talk to these men. And at the same time, on the other side of town, there was a group of ladies from Hope Cottage. There's a group of ladies from our church coming together to put on a baby shower for a woman who lives at Hope Cottage. And I guarantee you, they were not speaking loudly to her, but rather was saying, God loves you. And, and, I, and if you've ever been to Hope Cottage, they're the most loving women on the planet. Like you get in there and you just start feeling like I'm like getting warm and I want to hold like a teddy bear. It's amazing. God loves you. Jesus loves you. You're beautiful. You're valuable. You're amazing. Now transition back to sunshine. Get in line, bro. Sit down. What do you do? I mean, it was just, you just treat these guys in a way that connects with them. And I think Jesus is doing the same thing. As he continually walks through the land and is encountering different people, Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor, in between, everything. He's preaching in a way that the gospel will take root in the hearts of many. We need to do the same. We need to do the same. Okay, here we go. Um, this is Jesus explaining the parable now. Jesus explained the parable. Again, four environments. These four environments are going to represent a category of person in each one. And I'm going to give this to you in the beginning. When it talks about the seed that was sown, the seed is the word or the gospel of the kingdom. Okay? So it, it just as we go through this, That's what the seed is. If you look back at the parable, the seed is the word of the gospel of the kingdom. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Right. So the bird that came in and devoured it gives us another biblical principle. Satan's actually a bird. Okay, And so Satan comes in, devours the seed, and goes away. In other words, the seed, the word, the gospel, falls upon the hearts of many, and yet the enemy comes in and steals and snatches and pulls it away. Now, this is sometimes something that we're kind of uncomfortable talking about. The reality of Satan. The fact that, he, that the Bible tells us that he prowls around the world like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, right? That's the language that he is scheming and manipulating and moving and trying to find, hey, where has the gospel landed and how do I wipe it away? This is what happens, I think, all over the world every Sunday as people come to our churches, come in, hear the gospel, walk out with absolutely no change. Now, there's other things, and we're going to get into those, but I think we are foolish if we think that Satan and evil are not out looking for someone to deceive, distort, and deny the truth of the gospel. This happens all over, or what we've all, listen, you've all got those friends, right? Where you're like, man, I I just, I, I keep sharing the gospel. And, and, and they've seen it. And, I mean, they've had dreams where, I'm, I'm not going to say who, because I know she listens to all of the podcasts, um, but she'll know she is and I love you. Um, she, she had, I was sharing the gospel with her for years, and she has this dream one night. And, and she had zero context for why this, didn't know any of the language, didn't know why this. In the dream, she sees Jesus at a distance starts walking towards him at a slow pace. Jesus moves rapidly towards her, keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, and enters her heart. And then she comes to me the next day and says, hey, what do you think that means? (laughs) It's like, "Uh, well, I got an idea or two. I lay out God's love for her, what Christ has done that he wants to come, that he wants to, right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock, right? Behold, I stand at the door. He who lets me and I will come in and eat with him. I was like, listen, this is what's going on. Jesus knocking on your, let me in. I want to be in. I want to be your Lord. I mean, for me, I'm like, Man, that's, I, I thought I had her, right? I was like, got her. Didn't budge, nothing, nothing. Next week, there was a whole nother thing. I mean, it was one of those moments where it was like, we got her. Like, Jesus, we got her. Nothing. And, and, and I look back on it, and, and I'll look at some of these other environments, but I look back on it and I say, man, this, there's no other explanation for me. Satan, right? I mean, it, he's real, guys, and he comes in and he looks to remove and distort and destroy the power of the gospel to transform your friends, your family, and this world. So that's the first one. That's the path. Okay? Um, Second one. Where are we at? Verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So the second one, right? Rocky ground, low soil. This is the person who in the moment, it comes, it's an emotional, I'm in, and then once hardship, once trial, once something pushes against that emotion, pushes against that momentary reality, plant falls away and dies, okay? Um, For me, let me tell you a story. So I, uh, in high school, And I wouldn't even necessarily know, say, how much this was belief, but in high school, not a Christian, uh, I did the youth group thing from time to time because, like every male, there are attractive females that love Jesus, okay? And so uh, I said, I'm going to go to this youth group, and I'm going to just be there and whatever, um, what they did there, though, was this very—and and, and I owe them a lot because I learned some stuff back then. But what they did is this very emotional response moment where, he, you know, the, the, the pastor is up there and he's, he's yelling and he's just saying grace and all this great stuff. And he's like, if you get saved today, you know, he's counting down. He's doing this. And, and here's what we knew. Here's what we knew. If you gave your life to Jesus—true story—when you went to the other room to pray the prayer— You got a free soda and a free book of your choice, okay? I got seven Dr. Peppers over my time there, okay? I I literally, me and my friend Matt, we got saved like every time we went because we knew it meant free soda, okay? We also knew that the emotion of the moment almost lifted us and carried us into that room. Like, it was just, yeah, it kind of had to go. But the truth was, we didn't know anything. I mean, we, we were barely paying attention. The gospel was not clearly presented. We didn't understand it was about Jesus, so we still thought it was about works. On and on and on, the list could continue. And so every other month, we found ourselves in that room praying a prayer. And yet, I, I would not say that in any way I loved Jesus. My life didn't even come close to evidencing that until I got to college. Okay? And, and if, if any of you grew up going to youth camps and not, listen, I think youth camps are great. I really do. Actually, I'm a big, big proponent. But what happens a lot of times is you see the same kid running up the aisle every summer. Okay? Yeah, I believe. Because it's this emotional response that, listen, if we just base this on emotion the moment some pushback, some trials, some hardship, some tribulation come your way, you're going to bail. Okay? You're going to bail. And so this is the reality for many in the church. This is the reality for many who get saved. Okay? And this is this is a hard thing because we were like, no, we want to rejoice. People got saved. That's, listen, and that's great, and I'm not the judge, and God knows hearts, and he's going to save, and that's up to him and all that. But I've seen it a lot. We do that rah-rah altar call. We do that moment. We force someone. We say, it's got to be this. It's, no, I'm not even going to get in. <laughs> anyway, we do some things, and then it kind of puts the ball in their court where they say, okay, fine, I'll just do what I'm in. Or, I, okay, this is so great. It's, it's all this. I get all this. It's all this benefit. Without any of the reality that life doesn't get any easier, and then they fall away. Okay? We need to be wise that this is a reality. Again, why... Jesus talking to his disciples, sharing these truths about the non-believers. This is what the experience is. We need to be wise with that as we seek to empathize and love and share the gospel. Verse 22. Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So the third environment, third people, seed among thorns. Now, oftentimes this is preached as the seed falls in, starts to grow, and then the thorns choke the plant, right? So we we become Christians, we start to grow, but that the world starts to choke us, and then we eventually die and wither and leave. But that's not what's being told here. It's not what's being taught. The thing that's being choked is not the plant, it's the seed It's the actual seed. It's the actual word of the kingdom of God is being choked out by the world. There's no better way to describe this than idolatry. It's all of the things in our world, in our culture, that would cloud and distort and pervert the gospel from being what the gospel actually is. And so when we proclaim it, when it goes to people, they don't see... Jesus is good, I have value, it's not about me, it's about his work on the cross, I'll place my faith in it and go. No, they see all of these distortions, they make it man-centered, they make it about themselves, they make it this, that, and the other, because what they're seeing is a gospel that has been influenced and distorted and choked by the world. Okay. It's idolatry. It's the things that our world have made more important, more glorious, more visible than the truth of the kingdom of Jesus, okay? Um, this could be anything. Money, status, friends, sex, on and on. It could be also anything that we raise above, anything that clouds, that distorts that image. Let me give you an example. So one of the, one of the things, right? So the Bible says you're valuable, you're beautiful, you're his, right, for those in Christ. And so here's what, here's what, the, here's what the world does with that truth. Yeah, you are those things, but not because of Jesus. It's because you look a certain way, or you act a certain way, or you go to a certain place, or you do a certain thing. It's not about your identity in Jesus, which is unconditional. It's just about him. Instead, they layer all this other stuff on top of it. One of the best examples of this, and the truth is, if we've been called this type of church, but it's the hipster world. Okay? It's the hipster culture. Okay? And, and listen, if that's you, and I can see a few of you, um, don't get upset right now. Right? Uh, but the reality is, is amongst kind of this hipster thing, it started out as this movement of, we don't care. I'll wear anything. Right? Like, I, guess where I got these pants? Dumpster. Right? No big deal. Holes in the shirt. Doesn't matter. I mean, it's just, it was about, I don't care. Individualism to the max degree. I'm going to do my own thing. Now, what happens when you get sinful man... Moving into that world, you get the same shirt that you could buy for $1.99 at a thrift store for $119.99 at a vintage clothing shop, right? What you get is, which is spreading across the world, no joke, hipster beard implants, okay? That's happening, Okay? So you could literally go to, um, I don't know even what doctor does that, but you go in, and they will, they will literally do a graft situation where you can grow a beard, and their most popular beard is the hipster. Okay? It costs $8,500, and it's growing in popularity. Because what started as, I'm not going to shave because I don't care. I'm going to do my own thing. Now you've got Asian boys like myself saying, Man, I gotta go get one of those. Right? I, got, I gotta grow this beastly, manly thing that most women hate. It's gonna be honest with you, fellas. Okay? Uh, not all. Some women love it, but most women hate it. Okay? In fact, that's non- Never mind. Um, <laughs> if I already were here, I would tell that story. If you want to know, it's really funny. I'll tell you later. Um, and and so th- so what happens is. We say, or the Bible says, you have value, you're beautiful in this way, but the world creates all these different things to say the same truth, but they add in all their own little principles and things that clarify that reality. And then we take it a step further and we make those things idols. Right? We, we wear them. We say, okay, I want value. I want these things. I want the truth of what the gospel brings, but, but I'm going to seek it out in a different way. I'm going to allow the world to, to distort what the gospel is and, see, and help me hopefully find it in ways that are not in him. Okay? And the list could go on and on, but those are just some. Okay? Verse 23, the one we love. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another. Thirty. So this is the last environment it falls on. The seed falls on this good soil. It's depth, it's rich, it takes its root, and it grows, and it continues to grow. And the yield is 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. If you go back to those days, the average yield for a crop would be about 5 to 10-fold. Whatever you say, 5 to 10-fold. So in so many ways, the Bible's saying, listen, that which you seek that which you pursue, that which you want so bad in this life, maybe, just maybe, you'll find it in this world temporarily, but God will deliver in greater ways than you could ever imagine. Does this mean more resource or more money or more of the things that you desire in a quantifiable sense? No. What it does mean is that they'll be richer and fuller because they are found within a kingdom that is everlasting within a kingdom that knows no end, a kingdom that after this world has been renewed and restored, it will be the only game in town. Right? It'll be the only kingdom to be a part of, the only nation that we will reside in. And so that which we invest in with good soil will grow and raise. And so what we have here is a very god-centered vision for salvation and new life for salvation new life and growth listen the first three they've got man all over it right it's all about us it's all about okay it's all about the idols that distort it's all about all of these different things that sway us It's all about the things that that, man we let in that distort the gospel that don't allow us to grow and be raised up in, and yet this, this last, the good soil, we do not control. It's just God saying, All right, man, it's time. Tilling that soil in your heart, and so when the gospel comes, growth happens. Okay. We don't till our own soil. We don't add our own fertilizer. It's the work of God in your heart, in my heart. He comes in and over, I don't know the length of time, but I know for me at least it took me 18 years of God tilling and turning over and fertilizing and doing whatever he needed to do in my hardened hearts. that the soil of my soul, when the gospel was proclaimed for probably the hundredth time in my life, It took root and it grew. Praise Jesus. Praise God. I did nothing in those 18 years but make my heart terrible ground for the gospel to take root. And I think if if we honestly go back and look at all of our lives, even today, we would just look and say, man, if we're honest, all we do is make our hearts pretty tough soil for the Lord. But he comes in, he turns over, he tills, he fertilizes, and he causes growth. Praise Jesus. For some of you who were baptized last week that are here and if you have friends, right, that have given their lives to the Lord recently, this is just a good thing for us to look at and say, okay, God, what you've described here is in the kingdom is, man, there are citizens of the kingdom. Who are they and how is citizenship attained to look through those lenses, look through what's given here and say, okay, where, where am I at? Where are my friends at? Is this real? Is there depth? Will I grow? Or am I still focused on things external, Am I still focused on my own idolatry of status or of pursuit of wealth or whatever it might be that will cause the word of God to not look as glorious to you as it did the moment you took the dip? So look through these lenses, church. Where are you, where are we, and where are we going? That one, we would be thankful and rejoice, and that two, we would empathize and love those who do not know that they might know. Okay. It's a mission of what we're doing. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is this beautiful reality that there is this kingdom that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection has inaugurated and established that we would live in now and forever. We'll look at more principles over over the next few weeks. Okay, more principles over the next few weeks, but I want to say a couple last things. The kingdom for us, this kingdom that we have, it has a perfect king. So there's so much of us we want to identify with, man. Okay, that like I've just seen it, especially in the debates over the last year. We get really political and stuff. We say, man, they're doing it really good over there. I wish we lived there. I wish, I wish our government did it this way, all that kind of stuff. And we get into these, these things. When it comes to thinking about America. Or some of us go the exact opposite. We don't question anything. We absolutely just think America is the kingdom of God. And so then we're just like, oh, we're good. The kingdom of God is the perfect kingdom for us. Because it's led by a perfect king. Had Jesus sinned, this kingdom goes to shambles. Our king is perfect. Our citizenry, the church... Okay, although flawed or covered in the blood of Jesus, perfect. Our law, the consistent, perfect, edifying ethic of the gospel and ethic of scripture, perfect. And the borders that we don't know, that transcend the world, that invite all in without any type of condition. Establish for us a kingdom that all are invited in that's perfect, invites us into a community and a place with a savior that's greater than this world can offer. Okay. The greatest possible thing this world can offer. And so as we leave, the two things I want for us, those in here that love Jesus, right? Would you be thankful today? Would you be thankful of the work that God's done in your heart? And that means sing and praise and share and do all that. I mean, talk highly of Jesus. When you come to take communion this morning, I mean, take it in reverence and in thanksgiving of, of the work that he's accomplished. And then secondly, would we move individually and as a church towards love and empathy for the reality that 75,000 people in our city don't know Jesus? Okay. That we need to move in response to the gospel, in response to his work, move to those who do not know. And I want to say this if if you're here and you're a skeptic, right, you're a non-believer, you're questioning this whole deal, I echo Jesus. I echo Jesus when he says in verse 15 that you would see with your eyes, hear with your ears, understand with your heart, and turn, and he will heal you. Come and be healed come and be healed by Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your teachings of the kingdom. God, thank you that uh, it's begun and we see pieces of it now. God, that you are continually expanding it Growing it, growing our citizenry, refining, Lord, the way that we apply the ethic of it. God, thank you that you are graceful to us enough that even when we let ourselves be deceived, or God, we even pursue, God, the idols that shroud the gospel. God, that you are faithful. God, that we've done nothing. God, we, we, we can't flee from idols enough. We can't, we can't fight Satan by ourselves. God, we need you. All of us need you. God, and, and even for those of us, God, who are in here that, that believe and know you and trust you, God, we need you. We need you to constantly grow us, to shape us, to protect us. God, that you would be glorified, that people would be saved, that the nations would know. So God, as we sing, as we do all the things that we do in response, Lord, would you instill in us, God, great humility, great thanksgiving, that we would rejoice in the power of the gospel of the kingdom of God that invites us in, that calls us, God, to be part of your family. Lord, we look forward to learning more about what you're doing, God, in this great kingdom that you've invited the world into. It's in your name we pray. Amen.